Welcome to today's episode of Teacher Prep Rally, a show that highlights successes in the classroom and reminds you that you're part of a team of educators finding new ways to meet the needs of today's kids. I'm your host, Sarah Warren. I'm a digital learning coach at Windsor Middle School here in Windsor, Colorado. Let's start sharing ideas from teachers and students about what today's learners need to succeed. In today's episode, an interview with Cindy Skinner about her novel A Month Portfolio with Google Sites. Cindy is a teacher here at Windsor Middle School and has been for many years. I'll let her tell you how many. Um, She teaches eighth grade language arts. Um, Cindy, tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, what you teach and what you're interested in. Hi, Sarah. Um, I would... uh... First and foremost, like everyone to know that I've been teaching for since 1982, so I'm considered an old school teacher. Um, I am also a reading specialist, but right now I'm teaching language arts. Um, The reason I am still doing this and not retired is because of Google, Google Classroom, and that would be what I'm interested in. I am incredibly passionate about giving students their voice and letting them learn from their experiences. Cool. Um, Well, let's just dive right in. Can you tell me um, about your novel a month project? Um, I know I, I know a little bit about it, but let's pretend I don't and tell me what is it and how does it work? Well, novel a month started off with the premise, the goal of getting kids to read more. Mm -hmm. Um, We would ask them to find a book and they'd find a book and they'd pretend to read it and they'd do Uh, reading logs, and I'll get more into that later, but the novel a month as it is today, the students find a novel in any genre, any title they like. They read it during the month. If they don't like the book, they're asked to abandon the book, and abandoning the book helps students um, learn to be more discriminatory in their tastes. Um, They abandon the book and add the little tiny review of why they'll never touch that book again to their Google website. One of the tabs is abandoned books. The most important tab, though, is books they've finished. So you're a reading teacher now, language arts teacher now, that is actually telling students it's okay to abandon a book. Absolutely. Because there are so many books out there published every month in young adult literature. They're missing them. They're mm-hmm. missing out. And kids are, are kind of phobic about books almost. Oh, I've got to find this book and carry it around with me all month. And it, it's terrible, but I've got to read it. And if, if they felt free to let go of the books they're not enjoying and use their time wisely and find a book they really enjoy, I think kids would actually read more. There is something out there written for everybody. So they finish the book and I'm asking them not to give me a book report or a a book summary. Both of those I can look up online if I want to find out what the book's about. What I ask them to do is to express their opinion and then support that opinion with ideas from the actual book. And they, they do it in five sentences, condensing their language, controlling their ideas into five wonderful sentences. And that's pretty much novel a month. So it's not miles away from the traditional book report, but it kind of is at the same time. I think it it's leaps and bounds away from the, the traditional book report because I I got to the point where I even myself got tired of saying, okay, let's write a five paragraph essay about your book. They're all the same. Each book 
book report I was reading could actually, you could actually have changed the title and used it for almost any book in the room. <laughs> and the kids knew that and they knew that formula and they were all just kind of going through the motions. And now when someone turns in something like that, I tell them, you know, this would be a good book report for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, not um, Wonder, which is what you just read. And mm -hmm. they laugh a little bit and I say, no, no, no. I want your opinion of the book. What did you think? And now support that with ideas. And I don't think we've asked kids to do that enough. We've asked them to do it in long exposés, but what if we just ask them, they spit it out in five sentences, mm -hmm. and then they go back and look at their work. And this is the writing teacher in me. They go back and look at their work, and they build it back up into something really progressive and full of ideas and and thoughtful. And uh, well, that would be writing. That mm -hmm. would be people actually communicating. Mm -hmm. So are your kids really just reading one novel a month then? I have an advanced language arts class as well as mm -hmm. the traditional language arts class and an intervention class. Um, my advanced kids, I would say 90% of them are reading more than one book mm -hmm. and they post them on the website as well. And I'm, by the way, I'm using Google sites mm -hmm. and they post those finished book reviews on mm -hmm. the tab on Google Sites of books I finished. Mm -hmm. Those kids also spend a lot of time filling out abandoned books. And mm -hmm. every time they get bored, they'll go grab five books from my shelf and see if they can abandon some of them. And okay. that's the exact words they use. Well, I'm going to see if I can abandon these. Mm -hmm. They always come up with one or two of those books that they add to the third tab on the website, which is books I really need to read. So there's almost a reverse psychology element of it for Absolutely. eighth graders, which is sort of the prime audience for reverse yes. psychology. Absolutely. <laughs> and I tell them right up front, uh -huh. it's reverse psychology. <laughs> you um, tell them it's reverse psychology and they still do it. I say, you're still going to find books you like here. And that's mm -hmm. you being discriminatory with your tastes and reading. Mm -hmm. um, on top of that, I, my intervention students carry the book with them to intervention. And when they're done with their task, they're all sitting down there and they're actually reading. Mm -hmm. And when I sit down next to them and say, so tell me what you're reading, they can tell me what mm -hmm. they're reading. Because I think when you give kids license to do what they want, they do what they want. And here we are giving them license to read what they want. Mm -hmm. So you, you think a big problem in schools is us being a little too prescriptive and you want kids to really have some choice in how they learn and what they learn. I, I, I believe that completely. I really think the four C's, the fifth C that people debate on Twitter all the time, mm -hmm. that fifth C should be choice. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. um, I know as an adult, I, I enjoy my life more when I can make choices. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately eighth grade is getting kids ready for high school, mm -hmm. but really it's getting them ready for seeing what it's like to live as an adult. Mm -hmm. Do I get to make wise choices? What happens when I make a bad choice? Mm -hmm. You know. Um, so... Some people talk about choice for kids or when you talk about choice with kids, um, I've heard people say, you know, kids, kids need us to make choices for them. They really, there's a lot of kids, if you give them choice, they just don't know what choice to make or they won't make any choice at all. Have you encountered that or struggled with that? I've struggled with it a little bit, but when I let go of it and conversed with the kids, um, it turns out just fine. For instance, one of the students um, just this month for the October, this last month for October, 
he asked me at the beginning of the month if he could read nonfiction. And I said, well, of course you can read nonfiction. You're going to form an opinion and find details to support it. When we got to the end of the month, he was struggling with writing the book review because he said the book was way over his head. Mm. And it was something he didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, why did you finish the book then? This would have been a good candidate to abandon. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, I just felt like if I tried harder, I could understand it. Mm-hmm. I said, then write your review from your perspective. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you understood about the book. Maybe that's what your opinion should be. Mm-hmm. There were only a few things I understood in this book, and now list those out to support your opinion. Oh, okay. And I think if we're flexible like that, um, you know, kids will make the right choice. He learned from that. I said, what did you learn from this experience? Mm-hmm. He said, you know, I think I'm going to stick with nonfiction, but maybe a month or two from now I'll make, I'll take a risk mm-hmm. again and step out. And aren't we, aren't we kind of cutting them short and, and not using their full potential if we don't let them take a few risks, mm-hmm. controlled risks right there in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how bad of a mistake is it that you chose the wrong book? You know, the earth is not going to come shattering down around us. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be a little more flexible and free. And if he learned something about making good choices with books, then maybe it's worth it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So you feel like this is pretty successful with your kiddos? I I really do. Compared to the traditional way of doing, Mm -hmm. uh, the kids have to read more. As a reading specialist, I learned the more they read, the better they get. Mm -hmm. And good reading practice is to give kids time to read. Mm-hmm. at school and at home. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I found that if you, if I give them time at school, that time seems to be wasted. They, I think at school, they need to be working with the teacher mm-hmm. on different strategies and different standards-based things. But um, I've given them time to read at home. Their only homework in my class is reading a novel a month. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, I would have asked them to do a reading log and have their parents sign it. And it occurred to me, I don't know, eight, nine years into that, what am I doing? You know, why do I care what night they read and how many hours they sat there? That's a good point. I really don't care. And I don't, if I give them a grade for that, what does that grade mean? What Mm -hmm. does it stand for? Mm -hmm. The only grade I give them in book a month is the writing assignment part. Mm -hmm. Did you write five really amazing perfect sentences Mm -hmm. and did I understand what your opinion was Mm -hmm. that's the assignment so they're meeting standard three Mm -hmm. through that but they're vicariously meeting standard two which is our reading standard Mm -hmm. students should read uh, multiple texts Mm -hmm. and media I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about google sites and how you use that to track the reading with the kids you've mentioned having different tabs for abandoned books and your book a month um how does that work? Does well, first of all, I use Google Classroom in conjunction with this. Um, we all created our own site, and the students added me as a collaborator on their site so that I was allowed to access their information. Mm-hmm. I can actually hit the edit button just like they can on okay. their site. So that if a child forgot to publish, after you type on Google Sites, if you don't publish, the reader doesn't see the updated version. Okay. So if I don't see a book review, I can hit the edit button and see if maybe they just forgot to publish. Okay. Um, They created their sites again with me as a collaborator. Mm -hmm. They can share these links with parents Um, on the homepage. um, Well, how it worked the day that we launched it was I said, now 
here's the fundamental editing uh, functions Mm -hmm. begin. And I ask them to create a homepage with an image of themselves mm-hmm. because this doesn't go public. Mm-hmm. We're always aware of FERPA COPA. Right. And this is why we don't use blog sites anymore right now. This just seems safer to me. Okay. On that homepage, they put a little blurb about their life. It's their bio. Mm-hmm. And I ask them to think of themselves as authors so, because they're going to be publishing and writing this entire website. So that homepage is really in about the author page. It's about the author. Mm-hmm. And I want them to look at the back of several books in my classroom. Mm-hmm. What are they, how does the author write about himself? Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the most clever little bios on one of the students' homepages was, Hi, my name is blank blank. I'm 14 years old. I go to Windsor Middle School. I'm famous for other publications such as, and he listed some of the, <laughs> the other assignments he's done recently okay. in other classes. And uh-huh. We were just tickled by that yeah. with a little image next to it. And so so get you get to, to see their sense of humor more than in just Absolutely. creating a bunch of identical book reports. Absolutely. The only rule is that everything put on there has to be school appropriate. Mm-hmm. And everything they use that is on the internet we put it on a citations page. Okay. That's like the fifth tab. Okay. And it's just citations. Okay. Um, I think that's important. They learn that they can't use people's work without giving them credit. Okay. So there's a so homepage. You, oh, go ahead. So there's a homepage. There's a books I finished page, uh, an abandoned book page, books I have to read and a citations page. And this is so flexible mm-hmm. that um, at the end of this week, we're going to be, um, publishing their autobiographies on Flipgrid. Mm-hmm. And we're even going to add that link of, from Flipgrid to the homepage. So oh, there's cool. more information about the child. So they mm-hmm. really get to personalize it. Oh, neat. Um, so you, you've talked to me a little bit about the idea that they're creating something over the course of the year. What happens to those pages at the end of the year? The really cool thing is they get to keep this website. It's in their name part of their school account, their Google account. Mm-hmm. When they go on to ninth grade, they go there with this portfolio of what they've read, what they didn't get to read, mm-hmm. what they didn't have time for, books they abandoned. And I ask them, when you're off two years from now, look back at this and see if your tastes have changed. Mm-hmm. And you may find that some of the books you abandoned are books that you really are going to love. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so it's so really nice. Acknowledging that they're growing and changing. Absolutely. And, yeah, cool. Um, can you think of other ways besides the novel a month, um, strategy for using Google sites and with students or in the classroom? Absolutely. Um, it's been pushed, uh, kind of tossed around a little bit on our eighth grade team that maybe we use Google sites as an all content portfolio. Oh, and, um, in my session last time with Mm -hmm. staff, um, learning how to use Google Sites, um, it came up that maybe social studies has their own tab and science and math and language arts each have their own tab and there's a home page mm-hmm. uh, with contact information perhaps. Um, and kids would put their best work on each one of these things and mm-hmm. personalize them. And again, with the rule that it has to be school appropriate and you right. have to cite. Mm-hmm. But um, it's going to take a little work. I don't think we're going to get it off the ground this year, mm-hmm. but there's always next year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a great idea because once again, those kids will take that mm-hmm. portfolio with them. Okay. I think parents would enjoy seeing a portfolio like that. Uh, yeah, I would, yeah. for sure. And, and then our PE teachers wanted to use the site. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for classes like mm-hmm. the biking class they could the kids could post pictures of themselves mm-hmm. doing jumps and stuff and I think kids are going to love stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. with written work in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be an individual site per student, which could work either in a single class or multiple classes, yeah. but it could also be a class page that yes. you give students some editing rights to. Yes. And mm-hmm. Google sites can also be embedded, uh, linked to for sure, possibly embedded into campus. Mm-hmm. And once again, parents can see it from there as mm-hmm. long as you put the share settings mm-hmm. to the right click. Cool. Um, well, we'll definitely put um, a link to a Google site or at least a picture of a novel a month site on the show notes for this so people can see what you're talking about. Excellent. Um, I think that'd be great. Um, what have you learned from this whole process? Well, I've it started five years ago, the learning, and mm-hmm. it's started off um why do you identify five years ago five years ago is when we got chromebooks in our classroom okay and i was in a program called uh, silver linings Mm -hmm. and it was a i thought at the time an enormous risk Mm -hmm. because the traditional way of teaching i didn't know it at the time Mm -hmm. but the traditional way of teaching it wasn't going to work and i learned through trial and error over five years that the more flexible i am and mm-hmm. the more I sit in the chairs next to the kids mm-hmm. and listen, um, the more they seem to learn. And every single day I learn something from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've learned from Google Sites is that now I have a window to each child's personality. Mm-hmm. And I can um, even embed a comment page, which we haven't done yet this year. Mm-hmm. But a comment page would be a simulation of a blog where people would leave comments, Mm -hmm. either have a page, a tab Mm -hmm. for it Mm -hmm. or have it on the homepage. I've learned that. So that's something you want to explore is making it more interactive. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I really think it can be a morph quasi blog. Mm -hmm. Um, And I use this, I said earlier, I use this with classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, what I have them do that makes it easy for me to grade this Mm -hmm. instead of opening each blog and waiting for it to load. Mm-hmm. Or opening each site and waiting for it to load. Mm-hmm. I have the kids um, go into classroom. I have posted a question, mm-hmm. and it says what month's novel it is, like mm-hmm. the October novel. And the kids put the link, mm-hmm. the URL, actually straight up URL mm-hmm. from the books I finished page into the your answer spot on okay. the questions, mm-hmm. and submit it. And then when I sit down to grade them. I click on all these links and open up their sites and it mm-hmm. happens quickly. Oh, cool. You read their stuff. You can leave a comment in classroom mm-hmm. right there with their So grade. it's private. It's very private. Mm-hmm. And the kids get a comment as to why they got this grade or mm-hmm. how spectacular this was. Oh, and cool. it goes very quickly mm-hmm. instead of waiting for each website to load. So mm-hmm. what I've learned is Google's making my life a whole lot easier than it was before. <laughs> And it's teaching me to be patient and flexible. Oh, that's awesome. That's a really amazing takeaway, Cindy. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I hope you don't mind. I have a little questionnaire. I want to kind of ask all of my guests. And as the inaugural guest, you'll be the first person who gets to answer these questions. Okay. Um, So the first one is what tech tip tool or shortcut could you not live without? And this can be professionally, but it can also just be personally. Like what's that thing that you just couldn't live without? Well, personally it's Google keep. 
Okay. Because that's where my brain is right mm-hmm. now. Every list of everything I need to do is in Google Keep and it's categorized and there's notifications possible now with Google Keep. So my phone makes a sound and I think, oh, wait, I forgot something. It's really nice how it's both, it's like seamlessly integrated between your phone and your computer and absolutely. Yeah, it just shows up everywhere your, your Google account is. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. And then the professional thing that I don't think I could teach without is Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. because of the flexibility and speed mm-hmm. in creating assignments. Mm-hmm. I can create an assignment in front of the students with them creating their own goals and their their own, you know, well, what do you think we should, how am I going to grade this? What mm-hmm. do you guys think? And I create it right there in front of them. Mm-hmm. And so they can even amazing. have input into what that assignment looks like. Absolutely. And it's on the big screen in my classroom as I'm creating it. Mm-hmm. Kids will, in, you know, offer input. No, 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 you need to say this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, Google Classroom is why after 34 years, after 34 years after getting my teaching certificate, Mm -hmm. I'm still doing this. Yeah. So those are the two things. Okay, cool. Um, The second one is inspiration. Um, What are you watching, listening to, or reading that's inspiring you? And again, this is personally or professionally. Well, um, Twitter, in a general way, Twitter, every time you go on, you learn something. Mm-hmm. There are so many amazing educators out there. And Twitter gets a bad name mm-hmm. for many reasons. But if you cultivate uh, your own community, you get responses from that community. You don't have to put up with, you know, other things that you I would, don't want. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think the education community on Twitter yeah. is very different than it's Twitter phenomenal. at large. Yeah. yeah. And so when someone hears me say, I oh, know I learned that on Twitter, it really is cool. Mm-hmm. You, you have to dip into the educational part of Twitter. Mm-hmm. As far as books, I'm really enjoying learn like a pirate right now. Okay. Um, Paul Solars, um, apparently he was the first one you told me this, mm-hmm. the first one that Matt Miller interviewed and, for his um, ditch summit. For yeah. his ditch summit. Mm-hmm. And he, he's pretty amazing. Um, learn like a pirate. It models, uh, teach like a pirate, mm-hmm. but it's giving kids license to think and choose. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. Um, he seems, he seems really amazing to me. Um, I haven't read the whole book, but I, I, seeing him interviewed and taking a glance at it, it really seems to me like, his kids are so empowered that it almost wouldn't matter if he wasn't there one day, that class would still just run. Yeah. That's amazing. I I think that's something to aspire to. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then one other thing I'm reading is uh, reading in the wild. Okay. Um, The author's last name is Miller. Um, It is. uh, That was Donalyn Miller. Donalyn Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, um, I don't know. It's almost justifying all mm-hmm. the things that I believe right now about education, mm-hmm. that children should be um, able to choose. And I'm not saying there's no need for a teacher in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that with our guidance and open-ended questions and careful lessons, mm-hmm. students can just, the sky's the limit. They're, they're smarter than we think. And we <laughs> cool. need to start remembering that. Cool. So. Very cool. Um the next one is, if you could change one thing about public education today, what would it be? I think it has to do with what I just said about reading in the wild. Mm-hmm. I think if, and I don't think we can change this about education, but I think if we finally got it through our heads that the kids are there to learn and made it relevant for them and made it purposeful 
they would do it anyway. Mm. I, I think if we removed the superficial numerical grades, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just feel so bad giving somebody a hundred percent participation point. Mm-hmm. It, it makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. I think, um, the one thing I'd change is our purpose. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I feel like we are there taking care of the children mm-hmm. instead of teaching the children. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'd like parents to hear that, you know, we're, we would love to open new windows and doors for their Mm -hmm. kids. And that, that would really help them grow. Yeah. It has nothing to do with getting more money funding for classrooms Mm -hmm. or teacher pay. It wouldn't make this part go away. But you think some of the structures and institution of it gets in the way of that. Yeah, I I really do. I mean, Mm -hmm. even flexible seating, Mm -hmm. um, Flexible seating is meant to be flexible. There's, mm-hmm. It isn't meant to be a seating chart. Mm-hmm. And someone told me, well, if you do that in your classroom, the kids are going to go wild. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Um, the kids in my room, it appears to me, they feel honored. Mm-hmm. They feel respected that they get to choose where they can learn the best. And yeah. why can't we do that across the board? That's a good question. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you have lots of great ideas, Cindy. Um, how can people connect with you if they have questions or comments and just want to find out more? Oh, I'd say the best way would be Twitter. My okay. um, Twitter handle is at CG Skinner, mm-hmm. and that'd probably be the best way. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today and being my very first guest on my podcast. I couldn't pick anybody else but you. It was a pleasure. (laughs) Um, Thank you guys for listening. Um, You can find the transcript for this show um, and the show notes at teacherprepralli.blogspot.com. You can share your ideas, comments, or reactions on Twitter with the hashtag teacherprepralli or tag me at wizardwarren. We'll see you next time.